You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellency of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me, the president of Bridge Ministries, Steve Den Hartog. What's up, everybody? Also, we have uh, TD, our local uh, youth uh, discipler. How about that, TD? Hello, hello. Lemon Pepper, <laughs> TD here. Our intern? Our intern. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it, but uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, we 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 are super excited this new year with everything going on, and um, I, I just seen just things at Bridge just the last couple of weeks have been really exciting. Steve, we just started one of our uh, Bible classes on the attributes of, of God uh, last week, and we did. It was great. Yeah, new series from uh, PNR Publishing. Yes. Uh, three-part series on uh, the first one is on the attributes and work of God so we're going through that with the classes we had a huge turnout really good conversation it was super exciting yeah it was it was really good to see everybody come out and we were just bursting at the seam and I was joking with Steve I was like man we're gonna have to get a bigger building here know, if this right? keeps up but uh, no we're super excited and uh, TD uh, you guys are doing Dean and Sierra again right yeah so we are doing another um, study group through the book pure by Dean and and Sarah, um, why God created biblical sexuality for his glory and our good. Um, we had a really good turnout last semester with some young adults. And so um, people have been asking us, what about for high schoolers? And even Dean himself said it would be a really good idea to do it with high schoolers. And so we're really excited about that. Well, we're really, really, really excited about that because I think it's a very important important topic uh, in a very biblical perspective. Um Please, please don't forget to subscribe to Apple, Android, and Google Stitcher Radio, excuse me, and please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org, and we're also on Spotify. Uh, Today's guest, guys, we are going to be having a second-time guest, Dr. Don McKim, and um, we're going to be talking about uh, Heinrich uh, Bollinger. So, uh, and who is Heinrich Bollinger, guys? Steve, who is he? Well, he's a little-known uh, uh, reformer. Yeah, and uh, we're going to learn about him today from from Don McKim. So I'm super excited. We're super excited. Uh, so if you guys want to check out the first episode that Doctor Don McKim uh, was on, it was episode 170, and we were talking about uh, his book Everyday Prayer with Puritan. And again, we've been definitely blessed by him and his mm, articles. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be having a conversation uh, here today, and we're looking very much forward to it. But uh, please go uh, check out that episode. It was uh, really, really good. Well, guys, are we ready to get this podcast started? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Dr. Don McKim is an honorably retired minister of the Presbyterian Church USA. He has served as editor for Being Reform faith-seeking understanding for the congregation, ministry publishing of the Presbyterian Church USA. He was editor of These Days and also served as editor for the Present Word and joining the feast in the Feasting on the Word curriculum published by Westminster uh, John Knox Press. He was executive editor of Theology and reference of the Westminster John Knox Press, academic dean and professor of theology at Memphis Theological S- Seminary, and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> um, you know, uh, for, our, for our listening audience, uh, you can check out his other bio, too, in our, our episode 170. But, Don, welcome back to Bridge Radio for a second time. Thanks very much. It's really a joy to uh, be here with you. Yes. Uh, you know, you were on our last uh, on episode 170 when we talked about uh, your book, 
uh, everyday prayer with a Puritan. Uh, we knew that uh, we know that that's been a blessing to people, and just introducing the Puritans to the, uh, the the folks here down in the border of South Texas. I was actually just having a conversation with one of the brothers here. He was reading a book uh, about the Puritans, and Steve Steve is a big proponent of the Puritans too, as well, and just love the Puritan. And uh, today we're excited because uh, we're going to be talking uh, about Heinrich Bollinger, Swiss reformer. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we're we're excited to introduce him to our audience today. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys that few people have, have heard about, but uh, still a significant figure during the Reformation. So, so Don, can you give us a little bit of an overview on Heinrich's life? When did he live? Um, what was his growing up years like? Where was he educated? Things like that. Yeah, thank you. You're uh, you're right about the Bullinger. He uh, was one of the most important of the Protestant reformers in the 16th century, and particularly in the what became known as the Reformed theological uh, tradition. He's best known for being the successor to Ulrich Zwingli. Mm. Uh, Zwingli was one of the uh, first uh, real Protestant reformers and uh, worked from Zurich. And uh, when Zwingli was uh, killed in, uh, as a chaplain on the battlefield in uh, 1531 against uh, Roman Catholics, uh, then uh, Bullinger was uh, chosen to uh, take over uh, his position, Zwingli's position as minister of the uh, great cathedral church uh, in Zurich. But uh, his background was that his uh, father was a Roman Catholic priest who had seven children. And uh, that time, uh, of course, uh, normally Roman Catholic priests didn't have uh, children, uh, but they could get a, a special dispensation uh, to uh, have uh, live in a situation where they could have children, and uh, that was the case with uh, Bullinger's uh, father. Uh, he grew up, went to a Latin school, um, and uh, his father wanted to teach him concern and care for the poor, and so he didn't uh, really give him much money, and uh, Bullinger had to go begging uh, through the city uh, to get enough money to, uh, uh, to eat. And uh, so that uh, kind of uh, early influence in terms of recognizing the needs of the poor was something that it turns out it seems uh, stuck with him his whole life in ministry because when he was uh, minister in Zurich, uh, he had a great concern for the poor and for uh, relief of the poor. And uh, so it was a lesson that he learned uh, very early. He went to the University of Cologne and uh, studied there, uh, presumably to become a priest. Um, he imbibed in that school, however, uh, the movement of humanism, which uh, was uh, going through Europe. It was a kind of alternative way of understanding how to read uh, texts and how to approach learning compared to the scholasticism of the medieval period. But uh, Bullinger began reading uh, in theology, and uh, he began to read especially the early church theologians. And he found uh, in his reading that these theologians were appealing most to the Bible. They were not appealing uh, to uh, theological systems or um, the kinds of uh, things that uh, his teachers, some of them, uh, were appealing to in theology, they were going back to the Bible. And so this became significant for Bullinger because at that time, then the Reformation uh, that is associated with Martin Luther uh, was uh, starting to uh, take shape and uh, literature was being produced and uh, theological questions were being debated. And uh, through Bullinger's study and uh, through his uh, development, he came to the view that uh, Luther and his followers were closer to what God really wanted, and the scriptures of the church were the most important uh, source of our understanding of who God is and what God uh, has done. 
So this uh, was significant for Luther, I mean, for Bullinger, because it oriented him on a path then of being part of the reform movement, which later became known as Protestantism. Uh, and so uh, as he developed there, he became a, a pastor uh, in his uh, father's church, uh, as it turned out, and then got acquainted with Zwingli. He uh, taught uh, Bible and he taught um, theology and uh, some schools. Uh, but when Zwingli died, uh, he was chosen then to be uh, Zwingli's successor in the uh, great church in uh, Zurich. And through then his ministry, he lived from 1504 to 1575. And so in 1531, he uh, became the pastor there. And so he had a very long period of being a pastor. He uh, was very active. He wrote uh, some 12,000 letters that are in the process of uh, being um, uh, published. Uh, he preached uh, over 20,000 sermons. He preached very often. And so he uh, was involved uh, in the life of the church and also in the life of the emerging Protestant movement uh, because he was uh, uh, associated uh, with other reformers, including John Calvin. Uh, he was involved in writing uh, church doctrinal statements called uh, Confessions of Faith. And um, he also then wrote num uh, numerous uh, theological uh, works uh, on different uh, topics. So all in all, uh, he was a very significant reformer over 40 years. Uh, he was active, and his theology then, uh, which is still um, recognized as being very influential for Reformed theology as a whole, uh, but he uh, participated in the life of the local and the uh, wider church, and so uh, he was devoted to the study of Scripture. His sermons reflect that. Uh, he was devoted to serving Christ, who he saw as the center of Scripture, the uh, Messiah of God. Uh, he was devoted to the life of the fellowship of the church, uh, the communion of saints, the elect of God, as he would put it in his Reformed theology. And then he was also uh, concerned about the nature of the Christian life because his sermons, um, which were expositions of the Bible, always related to what it meant to believe what the scriptures say, and then what it meant to live as a Christian person in light of uh, the biblical faith. Mm. So that's uh, just to kind of romp through the uh, life and the work of uh, Heinrich Bullinger. Wow, that was that was really good. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so, uh, Don, for our listeners, uh, I think it's very important, especially if uh, somebody, this is the first time uh, somebody's ever heard of Heinrich. Um, can we just kind of narrow down some of the, uh, and you just mentioned it right now, his belief on Holy Scripture, on Christ, and this is all coming from your book. Um, so I think just for the sake for our listeners, I think it'd be very important where um, uh, his stance on Holy Scripture was. Yeah, for, uh, for Bullinger, uh, the communication of this Christian gospel was, uh, you know, his kind of primary purpose in life. And the Christian gospel means uh, good news. It's the story of Jesus Christ and what God has done for the world in Christ. And the source of our understanding of what the gospel is and what God has done is the Holy Scripture, uh, the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so the study of this book, which Bullinger believed was God's revelation of God's own self, uh, that was the uh, core of his life, the study of Scripture. Uh, and through the scriptures, then, we understand who God is, what God has done, and also what God is doing today, uh, and how God wants people to live. So the Bible was central because it provides our way of knowing 
the nature of God, the purposes of God, and what God wants of people uh, to live, how God wants people to live. And this biblical message then, which comes from Scripture, has the power by the work of the Holy Spirit to transform human lives. Mm -hmm. It's the work of the Holy Spirit who uh, in, in, uh, comes to us and helps us know that the Bible is God's Word, is God's revelation, and then the Holy Spirit also helps us interpret the Scripture mm. and interpret what God is saying through uh, the biblical message. And so this um, notion of needing to understand and interpret the Bible was what Bullinger devoted his life uh, to. He did it through his preaching. He did it through his writing. He did it through his work in the church itself. Um, and so uh, Bullinger uh, put a great uh, emphasis on the written word of God in the scripture. He also uh, emphasized the preaching of the scriptures, the interpretation of the Bible. And in fact, in his second Helvetic Confession, which he wrote at the end of his life, he said that the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. Mm. Uh, the Word of God comes to us in what we read, but it also comes to us in what we hear and understand in preaching. So, Zwing, uh, Bullinger's life revolved around the interpretation of the Bible, and he saw that as being the central work of the church and of all Christians, because Scripture is the basis for theology. And so Scripture is at the core of the church's life, and it should be at the core of the lives of Christian believers. Wow. I, I really like how you put it in your book. Uh, as Bollinger puts it in the second Hel uh, Helvetic Confession, we believe and confess uh, the canonical scriptures of the holy prophets and apostles of both testaments to be the true word of God and to have sufficient authority of themselves, not of men, for God himself spoke to the fathers, prophet, apostles, and still speaks to us through the, excuse me, speaks through us through the Holy Scriptures. That was really, really good. Why was this so important, uh, Scripture, that Scripture was so centered during this time, this period in time uh, where Heinrich, Heinrich was living in? Well, he lived uh, at the point where, uh, Luther and his followers, and then Zwingli and his followers, and so on, were reacting against the theology of uh, the Roman Catholic Church, mm -hmm. which uh, was the church uh, since the uh, beginning of the Christian era. And so Luther and the Protestant reformers, of which Bullinger and Zwingli were, were two, uh, believed that um, the scriptures were the keystone and were central for the church. And this stood in contrast, in a way, to the Roman Catholic view, which was that it is the church itself which is central, and the church uh, gives the authority to the Bible because it accepts the Bible. And so the church is the way, the uh, means by which the Bible is to be understood and interpreted. And so Luther and the Reformers wanted to say that all Christians can go directly to Scripture and can understand what God is saying in the Bible, and that the church is not uh, the sole way by which people are to understand what Christian faith is and what God uh, wants people to believe. The translation of the Bible into the vernacular, that is, into the language of the people. Uh, at that time, uh, the Bible that the Roman Catholic Church used was called the Vulgate. It was the Latin translation of the original uh, Hebrew and Greek uh, language of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But Luther wrote a translation of the Bible into German and Zwingli, uh, had uh, what became known as the Zurich Bible. And the goal was so that individual Christian people could read the Bible 
in their own language and understand directly what the Bible was saying. So uh, it wasn't that the church um, was the intermediary, but rather it was that the Bible itself should be directly uh, read and uh, understood. Mm. So that's, again, another dimension of why uh, the Bible was so important, because it should be a, bi a Bible that is God's word to all the people, and it should be a, word, a Bible that people can understand, and the preachers help them understand it, and uh, thus the preachers are the means that God uses through the Holy Spirit to help Christians know who God is and what God has done. Speaking of preachers, he put a pretty high priority on making sure that they were well-trained to uh, exposit the word mm -hmm. correctly um, and uh, that they knew how to, uh, to uh, exegete the scripture and then to, to uh, teach it to others so that they could so that they could understand it, so that they could live it as well. Can you talk a little bit about that, Don? Yes, the uh, uh, emphasis of Protestant and the Reformed, especially uh, tradition, uh, is that those who are uh, called as pastors who uh, preach the Word of God should be able to understand it uh, original, in the original languages in which the Bible was written. Hmm. That is the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. And so um, this uh, emphasis then was so that uh, the people in the pews could trust that what the preacher is saying is based solidly hmm. in uh, the uh, best interpretation of the Bible. So it's not that the preacher just gets up and say, says, well, you know, folks, it seems to me that thus and so. But rather, the preacher would get up and say, thus says the Lord. Amen. That is, Amen. this is what God is saying in the scriptures. So uh, all through the history of uh, the Protestant church, uh, biblical interpretation uh, has been key, and that biblical interpretation begins with the original languages of the scripture, the Hebrew and the Greek, and then the translation of that into the lives of people mm -hmm. uh, as they read the Bible themselves, but also as they understand them through preaching and through Bible study uh, what the Bible is saying to them in their own time and place. Yeah. And that's an important aspect of that, that translation into the lives of people. It's not just intellectual head knowledge as an as an end to itself, it's to apply it uh, in our own individual lives, not only for the preacher, but for the people as well. That's right. It's, uh, there's a difference in a way between faith and knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, faith is based uh, in relation to knowledge. We know who God is and we understand what God says. But it's not just uh, the head knowledge, it's also the heart knowledge, meaning that we understand, but we also want to give ourselves to live in the way in which God has uh, directed us, in which God commands us. And that's what faith is uh, for the Reformers, was uh, the head and the heart together. Mm. Yeah. And you could also add the hands Amen. on that, because it means that uh, not only do we know what God says, not only do we believe it and want to live it, but our living then translates into serving other people. Mm. Because uh, Bullinger, uh, in his emphasis on uh, the Christian life uh, itself, saw a kind of inseparable unity uh, between what we believe and what we do. In uh, Protestantism, <coughs> What uh, Christians do is often called good works. Uh, but the emphasis uh, in our, our tradition is that good works are a result of what we believe and our Christian faith. And so our belief issues or expresses itself in good works. And uh, thus, uh, Bullinger himself said, true faith is the wellspring and root of all virtue and good works. Mm. Uh, and he believed 
that love was the uh, sum of all good works, that what we do for other people emerges from our love for them, and it emerges from the fact that God loves them as we then are commanded to love them. Mm. So faith and action go together, and uh, this is uh, the nature of faith, is that it will express itself in serving others, just as Jesus himself, who loved us the most, uh, served us the best by living and dying and being raised again uh, so that we can have salvation, which is our relationship of love and trust with God. Mm. Wow, that's really good. Um, I think it's also important just so um, we kind of just get a grasp of uh, Bollinger. Uh, Again, we're we're, we're going through his life right now and, you know, an introduction of his life and theology as the heading of your book says. Um, but can we just get a little grasp on uh, Bollinger's uh, view on the second person of the Trinity, Christ, and then the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? And maybe we can just get a little bit of uh, 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 just touch on that, on his views on, um, on Christ and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, for... Uh... For Bullinger, uh, Christ is the center of Scripture. Um, We have the Old Testament, which he believed anticipates and predicted the coming of God's Messiah. The promise that was made throughout the Old Testament that God would send a Messiah. And uh, the covenant that God made with Abraham and others in the Old Testament. One of the major theological ideas for Bullinger was the notion of covenant. Covenant is how God relates to people. Uh, It's that God wants to relate to people. And so God promises the people of God uh, what God will do. And so Bullinger saw the Old Testament as this long period um, when God had been promising a Messiah, one who would come to deliver Uh, the people of Israel, the people of God, and to uh, be an expression of God's love uh, for them. And so the Old Testament is this anticipation. The New Testament, which tells the message of Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus, is the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus himself said he was the new covenant. Uh, on uh, the night that he was betrayed in the Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper. Uh, we say He said, uh, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you. Uh, Jesus himself was God's fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah. Now, for Bullinger, this meant that Jesus uh, was in the words of the early church, which had to figure out who is this Jesus, who is this second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The church said that Jesus was fully divine and fully human. And this is what Bullinger uh, believed as well, that Jesus was one person who had two natures, a divine and human nature. And uh, these both were important because uh, they uh, related to Jesus' work of salvation. As a human being, he died on the cross in solidarity with us as human beings. And by dying on the cross as the divine Son of God, his death had the power to change our relationship with God from the relationship of sin where we went about living as we wanted to, living for ourselves, to the relationship of faith, where our lives are devoted to serving God and loving God as people of faith. So Jesus, as the divine Son of God, is fully human and fully divine. And we know this by the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit moves us to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, that uh, the Scriptures test who God is, what God has done. 
And then the Holy Spirit works within our own hearts to move us to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God who died so that our sin could be forgiven and died so that we could have a relationship of love and trust with God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you believe that, then you realize that our salvation comes through God's work for us. God sent Christ for us. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes and our hearts to receive the message of Jesus Christ, the Spirit acting for us. And so the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is God present with us. And the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Scripture and helps us then to apply the Scripture to our lives so that we can live the lives that God wants. Hmm. So God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all together, one God in three persons, uh, was the core of uh, Bullinger's understanding of who God is. Hmm. Wow. So the Father sends, the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit applies. That's right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good bumper sticker. <laughs> there <you laughs> that go. is. That is a good bumper sticker. <laughs> now, I think it's very important that we just kind of address that because there might be people, I know that there's people here in this border town who have never heard of Heinrich, mm. you know? So we want to make sure that the people listening, they're not like, I'm not going to listen to that. Because I, I think it's important. So here's the question. Here's the question. Uh, Don, what do you think is important for us to know these reformers and, and get to know their uh, about their personal lives and what they believe? Because some people might say, well, why, do I need a, why do I need to know about this guy who's been dead for hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years? Right. Well, uh, the conviction of these reformers was that uh, God uh, has been revealed in the scriptures through Jesus Christ, as we've said, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to understand as fully and as well as possible what this means, we need to draw on the wisdom and the understanding of those who have gone before us in our Christian faith. People from the 16th century on, for example, have been interpreting the Bible. They've been preached preach sermons. They wrote books. They uh, had viewpoints about different theological questions, and our role and our job, so to speak, as Christian people is to try to know as much and as well as possible all these things about God. Theology means the study of God, and one of the basic kind of, again, a bumper sticker, so to speak, going back to the great Christian in the fourth century, Augustine, mm -hmm. Augustine said that faith leads to understanding. Mm -hmm. If you have faith in Jesus Christ and in what God has done and in the Holy Spirit who is leading us to what God wants us to do, then that faith will make you want to understand as fully and as much as possible about what God has revealed in the Bible. Uh, faith will lead you to seek understanding of the scriptures and also understanding of theology, that is the study of God. What do we know about God and who God is, the nature of God, what God has done? All these questions that run around in our heads, people have thought about these as Christian people before us. And so when we study those who, like Bullinger and like Zwingli and Luther and so on, they help us in our understanding of who God is and what God has done. They help us interpret the Bible. Hmm. And so as people of faith, if you're a Christian, you will want to understand as fully and as much as possible. And these saints that have gone before us give us some guidance. They give us some understanding. They help us know more fully what our faith means. And so that's why 
they're always important for us. Biki talks about this in volume one, chapter one of his book, Reform Systematic Theology, that Steve is teaching um, a group of us. And Biki talks about how it's so arrogant and we're so indifferent or along those lines, how, oh, we don't need to look at church history. Like we can just figure out the scriptures for ourselves in this 21st century, mm. but we just don't realize how just narrow-minded that is to yeah. not look at people like um, Henrik, Heinrich, you know? Well, I think I, I find it very interesting, especially uh, being introduced to um, uh, the reformers in my uh, earlier on in my Christian faith, how just God in his providence and in, and in time just give uh, gives man these uh, certain abilities to be able to um, expound mm. on God's scripture and come up with these uh, again with these confessions, you know, uh, just like you, Don, God has given you the gift to be able to write about Heinrich in such a way that we can read it and understand it and ask questions about the reformers. Uh, and, and, and we're still talking about them mm -hmm. and what we can get out of these reformers, uh, you know, as TD was saying, like we're going to systematic theology and how much the reformers get quoted, mm -hmm. you know, from things of the past and just impacting our lives today in time, and, uh, in this, in, in, in this place. And if you think about, like you mentioned one of the words earlier, Don covenant, like if you think about all these huge theological concepts and terms we can't possibly in one lifetime just do a deep dive of all of these things but god raises up different people throughout church history to study these things and these terminologies and so that's why you have different people that are able to expound upon these these concepts and 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 words which is a huge blessing to the church that we overlook and even now there's so many authors that we have in our, our bookstore that specialize in certain topics and areas which is a huge blessing yeah, I uh, sometimes say, uh, you know, theology is about slicing the pie. Mm -hmm. You think of a pie uh, and whatever flavor you want, but, you know, you eat one piece and then uh, that may uh, make you want more. Mm -hmm. And so then you move on to the next piece and you keep working your way around the pie. And it's the same thing with uh, theological knowledge uh, that... The uh, theologians of the past have all said many different things. And as you start to study, like one idea, no matter what it is, like covenant, you know, then that'll lead you to the notion of grace. Mm. And that'll lead you to the notion of justification and then the sanctification. These are all theological words. And uh, some years ago, I uh, wrote a book, the Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms. Fantastic uh, dictionary. Five or... Okay, you may be familiar oh, with Oh, yeah, it, I've got it on my shelf. Just... <laughs> yeah, it's sitting on okay, Steve's desk. <laughs> and your tribe increased. Uh, but uh, those are just the little tiny uh, definitions. But the point is that once you get into one doctrine, it'll lead you to another doctrine, mm. and you'll work your way around the pie. So in one sense, it, it doesn't matter in a way where you start the pie um, because you'll eventually get around it. But mm -hmm. our normal way of starting it has been what the uh, theologians have done in so-called systematic theology. We mm -hmm. you know, start with God and who God is and so on and all these questions. Um, and the whole uh, kind of purpose of what a theologian does, or at least I speak for myself, is I always say that um, in a book like this, uh, Bullinger and then other books that I've uh, done, my question is that of the book of Ezekiel. Can these bones live? Mm -hmm. Can these old, dusty, dried out theologians from the 16th century or the 4th century or the 17th century, can what they say about theology live for us today mm. and be vital for us in our Christian lives? If we make the translation between what they were saying for their time and then what that means for our time. And so can these bones live? Um, and the purpose of the theologian is to try to interpret and to write and to speak as clearly as possible about the truth that we find in Scripture and in the Gospel 
so that the bones will live by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not that you, uh, you know, have to be super brilliant. It's just that you have to try to communicate what you understand and then trust that the work of the Spirit will make those bones live in the lives of people who hear you preach, who hear you speak, who read your books. Mm, amen. Speaking of those old bones, uh, one of the legacies of uh, Bullinger is his writings, The Decades. And uh, we're all familiar with, with Calvin's Institutes, but uh, The Decades kind of kind of uh, did the same sort of thing as far as um, systematic theology is concerned, I believe. Is that correct? Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. Uh, in our uh, book uh, that Jim West and I did. Jim, Jim West and I uh, got to be friends over the internet. He lives in one end of Tennessee and I live on the other end, but we've never <laughs> actually physically met. But we've now done two books together, one on Bullinger and then one on another reformer, Martin Bootser, which yeah. just uh, came out a couple weeks ago. Um, but um, the, uh, the book that we uh, wrote, We'll, you find uh, all throughout there'll be footnotes to what's called the decades. Now these were 50 sermons uh, on different theological doctrines. And so in the chapters that we have on God and Christ and Scripture and the Holy Spirit and so on, we cite quotations from Bullinger's decades. Now these were five volumes, uh, four or five volumes uh, in English translation. Um, of 50 sermons, which kind of cover the whole of Christian doctrine. Uh, they're called sermons because they're kind of written in a sermonic form. Mm. That is, they're not dry and dusty, uh, like sermons, uh, you know, should not be. <laughs> um, but they weren't actually 50 actual sermons, you mm. know, from one week after another. They're much longer than a normal sermon would be. But the purpose of it uh, was to uh, try to explain Christian faith to people uh, who could read these. And these, um, the decades of Bullinger, like, as you mentioned, Calvin's Institutes and uh, some other writings, uh, became very significant in the period after Bullinger's death, places, especially England, uh, where uh, they had a great effect, and they introduced people uh, to Christian faith. They helped clergy is, as they prepared their sermons and tried to uh, preach the gospel and teach the gospel. And uh, so uh, they had uh, a long-lasting significance. And um, this is, uh, you know, part of the work of God, is that uh, as these people, uh, theologians we were talking about, commit themselves to try to make the faith known that the work that they do, sitting in some little room, writing with an old pen, mm. uh, in Bullinger's case, you know, uh, what would seem to be a dry and dusty kind of thing to do. Mm. But by the work of the Holy Spirit, now, all these centuries later, because Bullinger died in uh, 1575, that's a long time ago, wow. yeah. but his words still live. Uh, the dry bones still live, and um, when we uh, are moved by the Spirit to try to uh, get back into some of these old-time theologians, uh, we can find that there are insights for our lives here in the 21st century. Amen. Yeah. That That's one of the most amazing things that I find even just as we get introduced to uh, the great saints of the past, mm -hmm. how applicable uh, their teachings, which is God's teachings, right, uh, to us today, uh, especially in this world that we're living in now, uh, in this moment in time in Christian history that will be history at one point, because there's going to be people, there's going to be people in the future, right, going to be talking about Don McKim and, <laughs> and just looking at his works and, and talking about his works of other people who did work and so on and so forth. And uh, I, I think it's very important that uh, we, we talk about these things. And, and I think it's sad that um, there's probably a lot of churches out there that don't want to, don't talk about or don't want to talk about 
just the great saints of the the, the past and the impact that they that they had on the church, right? And just a blessing that they've been to. Well, they're a great cloud of witnesses, right? Yeah, right. Which they speak to us to to, to this day. Right. Yeah, another image that you can use is that the, these are the roots that refresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get back to the roots, that is, uh, in terms of Protestantism, uh, Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and Bullinger and so on, the kind of roots of our theological tradition, mm-hmm. that they can refresh our lives because they're dealing with what really counts. Yeah. You know, it's not just the uh, ephemeral or the mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, um, surface uh, issues or surface discussions. They get back to the basics uh, of what really uh, is most significant for us as Christian people. And those basics, no matter what era of history we live in or what century of history we live in, uh, those basics are what sustain us, mm-hmm. which give us direction and uh, make our lives uh, important and significant because we are dealing with what counts most in uh, Christian experience. And so these old timers, so to speak, Mm. um, can be understood as uh, really providing refreshment for us because Mm. they go back to the foundations and the basics of our Christian understandings. Amen. Amen. Before we wrap this up, and we're, we're kind of getting to the end here, but there are three other books that I kind of wanted to transition to quickly and just maybe have you share why you wrote these, uh, Don. So we've got uh, one entitled Conversations with Calvin, Daily Devotions that just came out, Coffee with Calvin, uh, another daily devotional that just came out, and then Moments with Martin Luther. And I know there's one with uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer as well. And uh, so talking about, I guess, kind of that theme about the old bones from the past and what we have to learn from them, how can these be beneficial to us? Um, how, would, how, would, how can people apply these today? Yeah. Well, the reason I wrote all, all those books um, uh, on uh, those, uh, those figures were I recognize, we all recognize that people are not going to immediately go out and buy mm. Calvin's yeah. Institutes or the <laughs> Decades of Bullard or something like that. So the question, I've taught in the seminary and been a pastor and uh, teaching in churches and so on. How can we get these roots to the people? Mm. And so if they're not going to go out and buy the kind of primary sources or the big-time famous books, might they buy a little book that has 84 devotions in it, or 100 in the case of Bonhoeffer. Uh, And I wrote these, Coffee with Calvin, for example, takes the theology of Calvin and breaks it down into these 84 uh, or whatever they are chapters. And my goal was write a couple sentences that quote Calvin and then write a one-page devotion in which I try to explain what Calvin meant theologically in that excerpt or that quotation, and then what it means for us as Christian people. Mm. So very simply, to move from the primary source, just a little snippet, uh, to understanding what the source means, and then applying it to our lives. Mm. And People aren't going to go out and and buy the big-time books, but maybe they'll buy a small book where you can film vitamin one day, one page long, and reflect on understanding what that old-time theologian was saying, and then see, hopefully with my guidance there, what that can mean for Christian living. Mm. And so that was the uh, kind of genre that I uh, wanted to develop. Coffee with Calvin deals with his theology. Conversations with Calvin take uh, portions from his biblical commentaries as he was actually interpreting the scriptures and uh, work uh, on that. Moments with Luther was Luther's theology, trying to break that down. That had 95 uh, 
devotions because it came out in 2017, which was the uh, anniversary of Luther's 95 theses. So the publisher thought that would be a nice uh, connection there. And then Bonhoeffer, Mornings with uh, Bonhoeffer, has 100. But uh, the point is simply to try to make it as easy as possible for people to have access to these theologians and as clear as possible about what the theologian said and then what that can mean for our Christian living. Yeah. You need a you need Either. a you need a right one uh for Bollinger. I mean, for our Swiss audience, I just looked up a, a Swedish pa- pastry called the uh, Brinebrock, so you can do Brinebrock with Bollinger. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. <laughs> so, I hope I didn't butcher that, but yeah, I mean, that's that's amazing. I I I I I love how you just put that at like, yeah, nobody, it's going to be, unless somebody's really want to get into, you know, nobody's going to hear, just go right and just get into right. the institutions, but yet they can have coffee with Calvin. They're so accessible and yeah. they're just, uh, just rich, you know, and very, very ap- applicable. Um, basics of Christian belief, you know, um, following God's way, living as a Christian. And uh, I would just encourage people to to check them out, pick up a copy, and do it along with your daily devotions. Yeah, that's exciting. So, well, uh, Don, man, this this podcast went really fast. Oh, yeah, super uh, like, interesting. I mean, uh, hopefully for your listening audience, I mean, we just got a little history. We we went back in time, almost five hundred years, uh, to the life of Heinrich uh, Bullinger, and and just great information, but. Um, but before we get towards the end of the podcast, uh, Don, would you share the good news of the gospel, which I know that you talked, uh, you were t- uh, touched on it earlier, but again, it's something we do with all our author. Can you share the good news of the gospel of God, of Christ to our worldwide audience? Yeah, the gospel of Jesus Christ is called gospel because that literally means good news. And the good news is that God wants to be involved in our lives, and God wants us to live in relationship with God. Relationship of love, where we love God, because God loves us. A relationship of trust, a relationship of service to God as our Creator. And so uh, there's no other message in all the world that is more important to us than living in the relationship that God wants to have with us. Mm. And the way that that relationship comes to us is as we read about God in the scriptures, and particularly in the way in which God has reached out to bring us into this relationship, and that is through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Christ was God with us, so we are never alone. Christ died for us so that our sin can be forgiven. Now, sin is, an image of Luther is that sin is humans being curved in upon themselves, that our world revolves around what we want and how we want to live. But the good news is that Jesus has come to move us away from sinfulness into a life of trust and service to God. And this is through his death on the cross, where when we say that we accept Christ as dying for us, then we receive the gift of faith and the gift of eternal life. And so Jesus Christ is the center of Christian faith. And as we look to him and ask Christ to forgive our sin, then by the work of the Holy Spirit, we have faith and we are led into this new life of service, of love, of trust in serving Christ and serving the world, loving other people and living as God wants us to live. So as we pray to God, we ask God to forgive us. We ask God to guide us. We ask God to be with us so that we might serve God 
and fulfill the purpose that we were created for, which is to live as God's people. Amen. Amen. Well, Don, thank you very much for coming on Bridge Radio. Again, you are very, very encouraging to the ministry, Absolutely. to us. Uh, thank you for writing those articles that you do for Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our listening audience, guys, go get the book, Heinrich Bullinger by Don, Donald M. McKim and Jim West, An Introduction to His Life and Theology by Cascade Books. Uh, I, I love that the I love that the book is you know 150 something pages, really simple to go through, really uh, really just getting on uh, in touch with his his life. We did not touch on uh, barely anything of Heinrich. You go get the book. We encourage you to go get the book. And Don, where can people find you? Find the book besides here at Bridge, and um, and, and yeah, are you on social media, Facebook? websites anywhere people can look you up yeah well i'm uh, i'm on facebook uh, don mckim uh, so that's uh, one place uh, but uh, all of my books are listed on amazon.com uh, you know so i uh, just put in my whole name donald k mckim or donald mckim or whatever mm. uh variation there and uh so uh a bunch of books will uh turn up and i hope that uh some of them will uh, catch the attention of our listeners and uh, will be a blessing to them. Yeah, and go check out the other books, Conversation with Calvin, Coffee with Calvin. Moments with Luther. And Moments with Luther and all the other books that you have written. Go ahead. They will be posted on our social media within the next week or two, so definitely keep an eye out on there, and we'll be sure to um, tag Don and, and just promote them here. One one thing that I failed to mention uh, just in your book, uh, Heinrich Bollinger, I love that you have questions mm-hmm. at the end of each chapter. Uh, I love books like that. We love books like that because we're able to just go. Through, I mean, you can go with a group of people, you know, and, and just uh, learn about somebody's life, but then ask those questions about what they read. I, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that has a hard time just coming up with questions in, in general about people. And I just love where books have questions at the end, because you can take this book and do it in, in, in a group setting, which I think learning in a group is just absolutely fabulous. Yeah. You bet. So thank you so much, Don. We really yes. appreciate your time with us and look forward to the next time. Okay, well, thanks very much. I appreciate your ministries and uh, God's blessings to all of you. Well, thank Thank you you very very much. much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Dr. Donald K. uh, McKim and uh, on the new book by McKim and West, Jim West, on Heinrich Bollinger, The Introduction to His Life and Theology by Cass Cade Books. So, guys, what did we learn about Heinrich today that you didn't know before? Definitely just reminded um, the importance of church history and and how he specifically expanded on covenant theology. And um, I don't remember if it was Don's quote specifically or he was quoting Heinrich, but he said these are are the roots that refresh. And so just a challenge for for me in my personal life um, from this podcast, you know, what roots what historical people from church history can I start looking into that will refresh my faith and not just give me the head knowledge, but really apply these things because we have church history for a reason and God yeah. built these men up for a reason, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Steve. Well, I think it helps us to to remember and to realize uh, why, why we believe what we believe yeah. as Christians. Not that these guys innovated and came up with these doctrines, absolutely. but these guys were always, like he said, going back to scripture. But they were teachers that God had uh, ordained, you know, for us, thankfully, to throughout church history to be able to teach us, to be able to expound scripture, to study it and to to help us to understand. So, wow, I just thank God for for people like him. And uh, it's just good to be able to know somebody who, you know, is just not as well known as some of the other uh, bigger names during the Reformation, but still extremely important. Well, and, what, one thing that just stood out to me about Heinrich, like, yes, he's not one of the guys that we talk to a lot, but mm. do you see the? I mean, but you see what the influence that he had absolutely on the work. 
Yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, the, I mean, his impact on the Heidelberg Catechism, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the Hel- 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 sorry, Hel- Helvetic, Helvetic, sorry, Confessions, mm, yeah. um, and the people that he's interacting with. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot there. Absolutely. And there's a ton there. His yeah. emphasis, his emphasis on Scripture and how that should be the core of yeah. our life. And then just with covenant theology, with you know, uh, it's important. You know, one thing we've talked about this before. I think that uh, uh, people that don't want to learn in uh, about covenant theology, I always hear hear it about hear it from somebody else hmm. who don't have a proper understanding what covenant theology is yeah. and how God has always dealt with his people through covenant. That's how he relates to us. Absolutely. It, that's how he relates to us. And, and, and I think if this is something that you guys are interested in, please go get the book again, Heinrich Bullinger, the Swiss reformer. Uh, again, you're, you're, you're going back in time, right? We're go- you're going back 500, almost 500 years in time. Uh, and, and to, just get some rich theological truth uh, of the men of old. Amen. We have plenty of those meaty books that he talked about, but then we also have plenty of the little bite-sized devotions um, from various people over church history and, and even modern people. So, so much to yeah. available for. Yeah. Like we said earlier, you can pick up, you can pick up these, these books that are hundred pages, yeah. 150 pages of guys who've written just so much deep stuff. And, you would definitely be blessed. Well, guys, uh, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And like we always like to end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Till next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.